Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as I step back, I ask for the Holy Spirit to step up, to use me to speak the oracles of God to the people of God. And I thank you that lives will be changed, hearts will be touched. And most of all, we will leave this place better than when we came. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome so that we can hear what God wants to say to us. And if you believe that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We've started a new series entitled, Are You Ready? Just look at somebody and ask them, are you ready? And the purpose of this series is to understand death and the afterlife. Now, the reason why I've been on this particular series is for the last two and a half years, I've been wanting to teach it, and I could not find the right time to do it. Well, after having to have five funerals from January to March, I figured this would be the best time to do it. Amen. So... The goal is to make sure that all of us are spiritually, mentally, and financially ready whenever our time comes to move from this life on to the next life. Can I get an amen from the church? Also, uh, to make sure you are encouraged and strengthened when someone you know or a loved one transitions from this life to eternity. So if you're taking notes... Our lesson title is, Get Ready So You Will Be Ready. Say this with me. Say, Get Ready So You Will Be Ready. Amen. Uh, That's an interesting title. One of the things is, uh, my wife, uh, when we're going somewhere, and I'll say, babe, uh, I'm ready to go. She'll say, I'm ready, but she's still putting on makeup. She still don't even have her clothes on, but she said, but I'm ready. Everybody say, Get Ready So You Will Be Ready. Now, last week, our topic was how long can I live? And the primary focus of that lesson was explaining why we actually die and why people sometimes die before their time. So if you didn't get uh, or uh, were you not here last week, go back on the podcast, which is free, and listen to the message because I know it will help you. And one of the points that we made was to help believers have confidence in their salvation. Now, remember, 50% of the people who joined Word of Truth Family Church were not going to church before they got to us. So there may be some things that you know that they may not know. And so this principle about salvation uh, is so important. I want to reiterate it uh, just a little bit because I had an opportunity to talk to a member this week. And this particular member was somebody who had been saved or born again for a while. And I asked them a question that I'm going to ask you today. And they took a long time to answer the question. They actually answered it right, but it took them too long to answer it. And I said, man, I I need to go back over this one more time. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2. 
And then we're going to look in verse 8. And then I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1, verses 3. Ephesians 2, verse 8, and then 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can just look at the screen and they'll be, you'll be able to follow as well. Here is the question that I asked a person. If you were born again, or if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and you were on your deathbed, and you told a lie to one of your children right before you got ready to die and you didn't get a chance to ask God to forgive you, here was the question that I asked you. When you die, where would you go? Now, uh, let's just say that you, uh, you, know, you had a kid and uh, that, kid, that, kid, that kid's father wasn't the father that you told him. It was. And uh, uh, if, if you're in that situation today, if you have some kids and one of your kids is not by the dad of the rest of the kids, I advise you to tell them. Because if you don't, Facebook will. Twitter will. How many know that Facebook can give you all kind of information? Well, you don't want your kid finding out via Facebook that they have sisters and brothers that they didn't know about. So let's say you're on your deathbed and they ask you, oh, dad, uh, Mom, who's my real daddy? And you lied and say Tyrone. And then before you got a chance to say, Lord, forgive me for lying, you died. Here's my question. How many of you in the room would say you go to heaven? Raise your hand. All right, okay, that's a decent amount. All right, now, how many in the room would say you'd go to hell? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand. All right, we, we, we have just, some of y'all lying. Just, okay, put your hand up high so I can see it. Yeah. Okay, all right, good. Now, how many don't know? Raise your hand. Okay, wow. So the don't knows and the go to hell is almost equal to the heavens. So I'm going to answer the question for you. Here's the thing. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Here's the question. Where would a person go? Well, I'm going to show you in the Bible today that when you get saved, that starts your relationship with God. After that point, your relationship should never be questioned regardless of how you act. At that point, it's now based on Fellowship. Say fellowship. So here's my first point, and that is relationship versus fellowship. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, look in verse 8. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible because I thought it was very good. It says, Because of his kindness... You have been saved through trust in Christ. And even through trusting is not of yourselves. It too is a gift from God. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done. So none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and have given us new lives from Jesus Christ. I like the Message Bible even better. It says, saving is all his idea and all of his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. 
We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Say amen. amen. Now, let me give you a, a, a modern day parable for what that verse is saying. The Bible says when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, God takes us out of darkness and he puts us into light. Everybody say darkness. Everybody say light. Now, when we were in darkness, we were related to the enemy. Because if you go, and re- go to the first lesson I talked about, we can see where the origin of sin came from. It came from Adam. So everybody born after him is born automatically a sinner. That's why we need Jesus Christ. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's all the work that he did on the cross that makes you, watch this, a righteous being now. So in other words... He now replaced and took your unrighteousness and made you righteous. So, in essence, here's the modern-day parable. You now go as an unbeliever, you get saved, God takes you off of the spiritual AM, and he puts you on the spiritual FM. Now, the relationship between you and God will never change, just like the relationship if you had a son or a daughter and they moved on the other side of the world and never spoke to you again. My question is, are they still related to you? Okay, so their actions doesn't change the relationship that they have with you, but it does affect the fellowship that they have with you. Are you hearing me, church? So when you get saved, you now have a relationship with God. You become a son and a daughter of God. Now it is up to us, watch this now, to stay in fellowship with God. So watch this now. Let's read, uh, go to 1 John, like I told you, go to 1 John. And, and I have a joke. I heard a joke about a taxi driver and a pastor. Both of them died on the same day. They both went to heaven. They met Peter at the gate. And Peter said, hey, come with me. And so I want to take you now to your mansion. So both of them were following Peter. And the taxi driver was first. Peter took him there. And it had everything you could imagine. It had a bowling alley. It had an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And, and man, the taxi driver was like, oh, my word. This is great. And so Peter said, enjoy. So now the pastor's next. St. Peter walked him through. And he got to the pastor's place. And it was an old, rugged, beat-up shack. And it had a bunk bed in it with an old black and white television. Watch this, with the coat hangers on it for the antennas. And the pastor said, wait, I think you are a little mixed up. Shouldn't I be the one who gets the mansion? After all, I'm a pastor. I went to church every Sunday. I preach God's word. And St. Peter said, yes, all of that is true. He said, but during your sermons, people slept. But when the taxi driver drove, everybody prayed. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you better not go to sleep. Now watch 1 John chapter 1 because it's going to clear up the relationship fellowship issue. It says that which, I'm in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. 
that you, touch your neighbor and say it's you, that you also may have what class? Come on class. Come on class. That you may have fellowship with us and truly our what class? Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is the context of what we're talking about? It's talking about fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Verse 4 says this, And these things we write to you that your joy might be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and we are declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have what class? If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we what? We lie and do not tell the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what class? Fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much? All sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Watch verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Notice now the context of this was fellowship. He was talking to Christians. And that's why he said, if you sin, which means that Christians are going to sin. How many of you who are Christians have sinned before? Let me see your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned by lying. Okay, so listen, sinning as a Christian does not affect my relationship with God at all. All it does is impacts my fellowship with God. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? The fellowship with God is your communion with God, your intimacy with God, your oneness with God. And that's why the enemy wants to keep our sin unconfessed. Has nothing to do with if if I'm going to go to heaven or not. It has all to do with me staying in communication with heaven, uh, with God. And see, this. so let me just answer the question. If you lied on your deathbed and you are a Christian and you're born again and, uh, uh, and you didn't confess it, you'll go to heaven. Because watch this, if, if not lying gets you into heaven, then, then watch this, then that's a work. Okay, or let me say it like this. You didn't stop lying to get saved. So how does lying get you from being saved? Are you all with me? Okay, let me say it like this. When you become born again and now you're out of the darkness and you're in the light, it's now up to us to stay in fellowship. So let me just break it down. I did it last week, but I'm going to break it down further. Let's say that darkness is AM, light is FM. So you get saved, now you're in the light. But for us to stay in fellowship with God, and here's when I say fellowship, you can hear God's voice better when you're in fellowship with him. God can give you directions. And you know what? Some of you who are single, you are in and out of fellowship, and that's why God can't bring the right person to you. So now, let's say now, I'm on FM. But for me to stay in fellowship with God, I got to stay on the same channel that God is on. So, let's say God's on 90.9. Now, 
I will hear God. I will, you know, I will let him lead me. I will obey him. And me and God will be tight when I'm in FM and on 90.9. But the moment I start drifting to different channels, and let's say I end up on 104.5, you're not going to hear JC. All you're going to hear is the voice of Jay-Z. In other words, it helps you hear God better. It keeps you in constant communion with him when you stay in And that's why he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Not that it will keep you from heaven because heaven is a done deal when you get saved. Did you get that? All right. So now, today, I want to talk about three things that you and I must do before we die. You say, well, Pastor, I don't plan on dying soon. I'm not either. But these three things you need to know because after my five funerals this year, I have discovered that people think just because they're saved, that's all they need. That is, but that's not all they need. So go to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. And we're going to read verses 1. It says, and I'm reading out of the King James, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amaz, he came to him and he said, Listen, thus says the Lord, put your house in order, for you are going to die and not live. Now listen to this. God is telling this man through a prophet, you are going to die. This verse gives us some insight into something that I think we need to know, but it seems hard to comprehend sometimes. And that is, just because God knows the day, the hour, the place, and the year you're going to die, doesn't make him responsible for your death. Okay, let me say it like this. All knowing does not make him all responsible. Just because a person knows something doesn't mean that it's their fault or it's on them when it happens. Okay, we watch, how many watch the news sometimes and you, uh, or you got a weather app on your phone? And they have already predicted the kind of weather we're going to have this week. They predicted that last week. So let's say that the weatherman, he predicts the weather and he says it's going to rain on this such a day. Well, when it rains... We can't get mad at the weatherman just because he had foreknowledge of what was going to happen. So you can't blame God for something that happened, watch this, just because he knew it was going to happen. And some people say, let's just say, for instance, something bad happened to you growing up. Let's say, for instance, a family member or somebody took advantage of you and you were maybe molested as a child or abused in some kind of way and you say, where was God at? Well, God was there, but see, things like that happen, and here is why. Because when God created us, the part that he created us like him is that we have our own will. So guess what? God cannot control my will until I allow him. Jesus said when he was getting ready to go on the cross, not my will, but thy will be done, which says that Jesus had a will in the matter. When God created men, he gave men wills. And so if something bad happened to you, we can't blame it on God. We need to blame it on the will of that person. 
And really, if you want to go deeper, it's not the will of that person. It's really the will that that person was functioning of under the spirit. And we know that anything bad comes from the devil. So the devil used that person to, 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 to abuse you or whatever. He used them. So stop blaming God. Can I get an amen from the church? You know, when I read this about Hezekiah and somebody came and told him he was going to die, put his affairs in order, I could just think he was probably thinking, man, I'm getting ready to die. I wonder what would have been his, his thought. I think part of his thought would have been like, you know, I, I, I wish I would have had a better relationship with so-and-so. I'm thinking he probably was thinking, you know what, because uh, trust me, when you're about to die, the last thing you think about is how much money you got. Well, in this case, Hezekiah was about to die. Now, I'm pretty sure that this would be all of our reactions regardless of the situation. That if somebody came and told us that, the first thing we would think of is, is my life in order? Now, I have three things. Everybody say three things. I have three things that you and I need to do while we are alive to make sure we are ready. And here's the first one. You need to get your paperwork ready. Everybody say paperwork. Since I'm involved in so many funerals and in preparation of funerals, I've seen lots of people who were not paperwork ready. I've seen lots of people who died without life insurance. And you know what? If you want to die without life insurance, that's fine as long as you got enough cash to cover your funeral when you die. Because, see, if I was you, I would want to know what kind of casket they're going to put me in. See, when you're dead, you don't know what they're going to put you in. You don't even know where they're going to put you. And so a lot of people I've seen don't have the life insurance and so watch this. They leave it now into the hands of people who are left behind to determine what kind of funeral they're going to have. You say, well, Pastor Evan, I can't afford life insurance. If you drink Starbucks coffee every day or every other day, you can afford some life insurance. Can I just get a hand clap right there? Yeah. Yeah. If you get your nails done on a regular basis, you can afford some life insurance. Yeah, yeah. Even if you, if you wear Lee Press-On nails. Oh, yeah, you can save some money for life insurance for Lee Press-On nails. I mean, if you get uh, uh, fill-ins or uh, the new one, the, the gel. What is that? Is that uh, did I get my terms right? That's the one that lasts long and keep your fingernails shiny like I got on right now. <laughs> If you can get your nails done, you can get some life insurance. Everybody say your paperwork. So this is what we did. We did this a long time ago, but I'm doing it again. We passed this out to anybody who wanted it. We made copies, spent a lot of money, and put it in the hands of those who didn't have it. And then if you don't, didn't get one, right now you can go to our website and you can download this. It says Family Care Package. I'm just going to go through it so you can see why you need to have your paperwork in order. Okay, the first page, it says, Dear loved ones, in attempt to simplify matters for you, I have written this letter to provide you with information that will be necessary.
necessary for you when the time arises. In other words, now you're going to write and tell them how you want things to be. I don't want somebody else picking a suit for me. I know what my favorite suit is, so I'm going to tell them what suit I want to wear. Hello. I may want to wear Jordan shoes and Jordan shorts and a Jordan t-shirt in my casket. (laughs) Next page. Has all the people that someone would need to contact, has your attorney information, your insurance advisor, your accountant if you have one, your financial planner, your stockbroker, your pension benefits, who your employer is. It has all this. They need to, somebody needs to know this when you die. It needs to know what your investments are that you have and all that. And then some of your assets. Some of y'all say, well, I don't have any assets. You got some assets. You got a car that's an asset. And then it has a section on here, which I like. This is a section that says money is owed to us by. It's got four areas of, if four people owe you money, it's got their name, address, phone number, and how much they owe you. Okay, how many in here somebody owe you some money? Raise your hand. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Look, your family need to know that maybe that can pay for your funeral. Just go and collect from everybody. It tells you all of your liabilities and all the money that you may owe. It goes on now. It tells you now your life insurance policies, who the owner, who the beneficiaries are, the, the amounts and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the company that you may have disability insurance from, your health insurance. Listen, this needs to be known. And see, some of y'all say, well, I got that. But is it in a spot somebody can find it? You got one page over here in your dresser drawer. You got another page over here on your mattress. I like the last page, and then I'm going to move on. Last page is good, see. Uh, It says, I have the following final wishes. The funeral home that's going to take care of me is blank. Mm -hmm. And the cemetery that I need you to bury me in is blank. Uh, I blank have prepaid for my burial cost. So this is the kind of casket I want. Because see, if you don't know, if you get buried by the state, have you ever seen a state casket? It literally looks like a cardboard box. I don't want to be going down like that. (laughs) Amen. I told my wife, I said, you don't have to cry. But when you see how much money I left you, please cry one tear. Listen, special request, what you want engraved on your tombstone. If you want to donate organs, put it on there. If, you know, and then it prints, you put your name on here and then you put the date. And now somebody knows everything that you need, that they need about your life. Everybody say your paperwork. And see, some people don't want to talk about this because they think about, they think, well, if I talk about it, I'm going to die. No. This helps people get their life straight. You will be surprised how much peace you will die with whenever that time comes when you have this part of your life straight. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. So that's the first area is your paperwork. Here's the second area that you must prepare for, and it is your personal relationships. 
Now, this is very important. And, and personal relationships, I've broken down them into four categories. Here's the first one. It's your family. Everybody say family. And those are people who are related to us. And then we have friends. Everybody say friends. And those are people who support us. And then the third one, you have your... Is it up there? Come on, say it. Frenemies, if you can spell. There it is. Frenemies, right up there. And, and frenemies are those who seem to be for us, but they are secretly against us. Those are people who see you drive up in your new car and go, girl, you look good in that car. And then they talk to your co-co and go, oh, she thinks she's cute and all that. She thinks she's better than us. Uh, uh, I wouldn't have bought that car. How many know some frenemies? Let me see your hand. Uh-huh. If you didn't raise your hand, you might be one. Everybody say frenemies. And then the fourth area is fellowship with the saints. And these are those who we are spiritually related to for eternity. You know, it's sad when I have to bury people who haven't been to church in five years. I'm still their pastor. Listen, can I say this? I know people say blood is thicker than water. Well, I'm here to tell you that spirit is thicker than blood. Hey, man. Hey, man. That's how Jamaicans would say it. Hey, man. Spirit is thicker than blood. What does that mean? That means you need to have some spiritual relationships in your life. Some people that, listen, they're going to go to heaven with you. Why not have a spiritual connection with them? And because we don't, when we, see, we don't know when our appointment is with eternity. So we should keep these relationships in priority uh, straight. Go to Luke chapter 23. I'm going to show you this in the life of Jesus. Jesus made sure that his relationships, his personal relationships with people stay intact because uh, you don't want to die bitter. Do you know bitterness will eat you up like cancer? You know, I had a family member who uh, just wouldn't speak to me for years. And uh, I was just, the Bible says, whatever you do, you try to live peaceably with all people. And I, I mean, I tried several times to, to, to reconcile that thing. And, and finally, uh, we were at a funeral. And uh, I, I typed something on an iPad that I had. And, and basically, it says something like this. Um, I don't like the place that we're in. I will do anything it takes to get this right. I don't know what you need to make it right, but I'm willing to do it. I will meet any day, any time, in any place you need me to meet. And if you need a mediator, then you pick them and I'll come. And I ended up meeting with this family member and their pastor. And you know what? We've been speaking since then. Here's my question. I wonder who's in your life that you're not on speaking terms with. Oh, 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 touch your neighbor and say, he's coming down your street right now. <laughs> Watch what happened to Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, Luke 23, this is right before Jesus died. It says, and there were also two other malefactors who were led with him. Malefactors are people that just did all kinds of wrongdoings. They were thieves, you know, they were murderers, you know, they were just folks that did all kind of stuff, all right? It says, they, led, they were led with him to be put to death. Verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Verse 34. Then said Jesus, 
Read it with me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about the malefactors. He was talking about the people that crucified him. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't wait for them to come to him in order for him to forgive them. Well, forgive him. Because this is what a lot of us do. We say, well, they know they did me wrong. And we even move our neck like that. You see how I'm doing it? They know they did me wrong. I don't have to tell them what they did. Well, see, maturity is not measured by us forgiving if the person asks, but maturity is shown when we can do it without them asking. Amen. What I'm saying is many people decrease the quality of their lives with broken and torn relationships. And see, in order for it to sound more like Christians, we say, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. I wonder who I'm talking to right now. When it slows down, that means I'm getting, I'm getting close to you. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. How many know that's not God's attitude? Amen. And see, you can forgive and you can forget if you choose to. Uh, you can't see it. I have a burn right here on my arm. And uh, I can tell you the time, the date, and what happened to me when it happened. I was in the seventh grade when this burn happened. I was going to the oven to get some more Jiffy cornbread. And you know that little iron that turns red in the oven? When I took that cornbread out, I raised my hand up too fast. It got me. And it was bad. And it hurt me for a long time. But watch this though. Even though at the time it caused me pain, I'm not in pain no more. Touch it. I'm not, that's not hurting me. You know why? I'm healed. So even though I remember what happened, I can tell you what happened. I can tell you what grade I was in and what I was doing, even though I remember the details of what happened, guess what? It's not painful because I'm healed. And maybe because it's hurting because you're not healed. Maybe because that, you know, that ex-husband or that ex-wife, they're still painful to you because you forgave them but you haven't forgotten. Well, you say, well, Pastor Evan, I can't make myself forget. No, but you can choose to forget. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Okay, okay. So, the second area are your personal relationships. And I want to stop right here because there are some people in this room who need to get some personal relationships in order. There are some people, I don't know if it's your brother, your sister, it could be your ex-mother-in-law. It could be, you know, you know how you have in-laws. It may be your outlaws. I don't know. <laughs> it could be your ex-boyfriend, Tyrone. Or, you know, in these days, Tyrone I don't know. <laughs> Who are you not right with? Here's the thing. You don't want to die like that. 
Let me just tell you something even better. You don't want to live like that. I mean, can you imagine how stressful it is to try to avoid somebody? I'm talking to somebody right now. You go around, when you go to work, you go around and air because you don't even want this person. You don't want to see them. Some of y'all don't go, I ain't going to no family reunion. Yeah, 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 because, no, no, no. You, you know how stressful it is to avoid people? And there are some people in this room, you need to get it right. Now, let me give you, let me give you a clue. When you go, because see, even the Bible says, if you go and you come to the altar with a gift, and the Bible says, and you remember that someone has an art against you, not you have against somebody else. See, you can just forgive them. But if they have an art against you, it says, leave your gift, go to that person, get it straight now. Here's what you can't do. You can't make somebody forgive you. You can't make somebody let the situation go. But you can do all you can to say, you know what? I tried. If Pastor Evan died today, there is nobody that I'm in odds with. There may be some people who are at odds with me, but I've gotten it straight. And I believe there are some people that God... Notice when we read 1 John, it says that we're in fellowship one with another and with Jesus Christ. There are some people that need to get some relationships right. So with every head bowed right here, here's my question. What relationship in your life do you need to get right? Maybe it is an ex-boyfriend, an ex-wife, or an ex-husband, or uh, an ex-boss. Or if you own a business, it could be an ex-employee who is spreading rumors about you that are not true. It could be a child, one of your, one of your children, and, and, and you know, they're, they're just in their stupid stage, and, and uh, you know, you, you're having an issue with them. Here's my question. Who are you at odds with? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for people who are having challenging relationships that are not in order with people. And when I pray today, God's going to give you some wisdom on how to do your part. Because you, you, you can't control what they do. And if somebody's done something to you, you don't necessarily have to go to them. Do like Jesus did. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So I want to pray for those people. And if you have a relationship that's not in order, that you need to get straight, and you want God to help you get it straight, nobody's looking but me, Raise your hand so I can pray for you. Pastor Evan, that's me. That's me. Man, hands up all over the room. Hallelujah. Keep them up because I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. God can do it because this particular person that I was talking about wouldn't even speak to me. And now we're speaking and texting and calling. Father, I thank you for those who have their hands raised. You said, whatever we do, try to live peaceably with all men. And Father, just because they've acknowledged that they need help, I pray, God, that you will give them the wisdom, the boldness, and the humility to go to get it straight. 
And Lord, some of them are not going to get the reaction that they feel they should get from the person. But that's not the point of them going. The point is for them to get their heart right with the person. And I thank you today that you've already started moving. I pray that they'll be able to get it straight in their heart. They won't have to avoid anymore. They won't have funny feelings anymore. They won't, they won't uh, feel bitterness, anxiety. They won't have resurface issues that come up because they've decided today to fix it. And I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've already started working in them and for them to straighten this out. And I give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. Head still bowed.